The following message by Shane Sowers is brought to you by Central Baptist Church, Aurora, Colorado. www.cbcaurora.com Psalm 119, 49-56 A. Bailey visited an orange grove where an irrigation pump had broken down. The season was unusually dry and some of the trees were beginning to die for lack of water. The man that was giving the tour then took Bailey to his own orchard where irrigation was used sparingly. He said these trees could go without rain for another two weeks. You see, when they were young, I frequently kept water from them. This hardship caused them to send their roots deeper into the soil in search of moisture. Now mine are the deepest rooted trees in the area. While others are being scorched by the sun, these are finding moisture at a greater depth. More and more these days, and I say again, more and more these days, Suffering and tribulation is something that modern Christians are having to deal with. And I was thinking about this, like a huge shift has happened in our culture, I want to say over the last five to, five to ten years, I, I, I know I'm just a decade, <laughs> it's been happening. There's a huge shift that has happened in our culture right before our eyes that, that some, you know, uh, anthropologists, are referring to kind of this time as a post-Christian culture. Um, a, a lot of people will say that, you know, in America right now, it's almost like Christians are in exile. Uh, it's kind of a different time, different time period. And so we have to kind of rethink and, and retool and look at, at some of the ways we do ministry today. But there's a huge shift that has happened and huge exponential change has come since our COVID-19 complication. Now, it's interesting with COVID-19 was before COVID-19, I want to say we were averaging about three, uh, three to four visitors um, three to four visitors a month, uh, maybe more. Uh, but now it's very, it's really rare. Things are changing. Things have changed and things have gotten a little bit more complicated since COVID. And not, and again, again, it's not just for our country, but it's also for the church. Hardship, persecution, getting canceled are just some of the ways Christians are experiencing hardship in our culture. But the thing is, family, it is not just in our time because hardship and suffering, trials and tribulations has always been a problem, an issue, or something that happens to Christians. And it has happened for years. And the other thing, too, is when you look at trials, tribulation, affliction, suffering, it's interesting, it doesn't just happen to Christians. Hmm. Because suffering is the heritage of all people. It's been said, suffering is the heritage of the bad. Suffering is the heritage of the penitent. Suffering is the heritage of the Son of God. Each one ends in the cross. The bad, the penitent, the Son of God, each one ends in the cross. The bad thief is crucified. The penitent thief is crucified, and the Son of God 
is crucified. By these signs, we know the widespread heritage of suffering. And family, we've got to also remember 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. And I really, really, really want us to get this. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through as if something strange were happening to you. Very important that we understand that when it comes to suffering and affliction. Don't be surprised. Don't be shocked. Problems happen in your life. Situations happen in your life. You're going through times of difficulty. There's affliction. Peter's saying, don't be shocked. Stop walking around acting as if something strange is happening to you. You just walk around as if this is the normal Christian life. The difficulties that we face today are not in and of itself a bad thing. Suffering and tribulation are those things that shape us. It's those things that mold us into the vessels that God has called us to be. It drives our roots deeper into Christ. That's what suffering and trials and tribulations do. Drives our roots deeper into Christ. Our life with the Lord has now deeper roots. And when real difficulties hit... We will rise and not be ruined. When the difficulties in life come, Christians are not supposed to crack. We're supposed to conquer. That's the one important thing. You didn't realize that's the thing that we're supposed to be displaying to the world. The world are going to look at Christians and see what we do when it comes to circumstances, trials, and tribulations, because these kinds of things cause everybody to crack, but that's what's supposed to make us different. We're not supposed to. Someone asked C.S. Lewis, why do the righteous suffer? Why not, he replied. They're the only ones who can take it. Well, is he right? (laughs) Here we go. Is he right? Is that the norm for Christians today? Or is it that when a Christian rises up in joy in the face of real affliction, is it a rare thing? You know, it's, it's, it's interesting sometimes I feel like when... When you see Christians go through hardship, goes through, they go through difficult times in life, and they rise up in joy, and they celebrate. Sometimes we as the church, we make a spectacle of it. We go, hey, you got to show everybody. You got to display this. You got to share. Everybody's got to see this. Do you know why we do that? Because this is an odd thing. Right? I mean, if it's the normal Christian life where we're all supposed to just rise up and conquer suffering, tribulation, all that stuff, and we're supposed to rise up above all this type of stuff, we don't need to make this a testimony thing. This is just the way life is supposed to be. We don't have to, you know, create a movie about it. We don't have to display it on TV. We don't have to write it up in the news. This is just what we do as Christians, but we don't do that because... It seems more and more every day, Christians rising up to conquer and to overcome suffering is a rare thing. Family, in my experience in the 30 years of ministry, I'm starting to feel it, the 30 years of ministry, 
trials, tribulations, suffering, and circumstances, the thing that the Bible says transforms us into the brightest stars, making us mature, complete, and not lacking in anything, is most responsible for causing the apostatizing of Christians. What do I mean by that? That's the thing. Suffering, trials, tribulations, circumstances, affliction. These are the things that cause Christians to quit to give up, to walk away from Christ. Yes, over the years of ministry, I've had to try so hard in counseling and all this stuff. It, it's always these circumstances. Oh man, I just lost my job and I lost my house. I, I lost my wife. I lost my husband. I lost this. I lost that. I don't make enough money. I've been trying to do this. I've been doing all this. And all these things that happen in life, my car broke down. I can't find my car keys. You know, all these things, the afflictions that happen in our lives, these are the things that cause Christians to walk away. And they say these things. I can't take it anymore. I can't hold on anymore. I can't do this anymore. God just, he left me. He abandoned me. He promised to never never leave me nor forsake me. You know what? He's a liar. He does not keep his promises. I am miserable. I am unhappy. I am always, always suffering. I am always, always struggling. There is no light at the end of the tunnel. There is no point in going on anymore. All I do is suffer. Well, you know what? Join the club. Even Psalm 88, Psalm 88, verse 15, Psalm 88, verse 15. From my youth, I have suffered and been close to death. I have borne your terrors and I am in despair. What is he saying? From my youth, my whole life, I have suffered and I have been close to death. Suffering, it seems, in modern evangelical to, uh, evangelicalism today, we don't conquer, we crack. Affliction causes our hearts to become hardened so that even if the Christian still goes to church, they're mean and unloving. You guys ever experience mean and unloving people in the church? You know, y'all can tell them the bottom lip sticking out. You know, and then you say, hey, smile. And it's like, I am. You know, I said this, I said before, I'll say it again. Some of the nicest, most amazing people I have met in the church and some of the meanest, nastiest people I have ever met, I met in the church. Hmm. Hmm. If it's such an awesome thing, if it's such an amazing thing for a Christian to experience trials, suffering, why does it cause Christians to leave the faith? I mean, even the world says it. Cultural anthropologists will say all the time that it's all well and good for Christians. You know, Christians in America, it's all well and good for them. But when trouble comes, they're just like everybody else. That's, the, what, that's what the world says about us. That's what the world seems to see. Is it true? Is there no hope for us in this? Are there no directives? Is there no guidance as to what we can do? Family, there are clear directives. But what's funny is the directives that Scripture gives us are the last things we want to do when we're suffering. It's amazing just how uncanny this is. It's like everything 
Like you could list the top 10 things you don't want to hear when you're suffering. And it's the top 10 things the Bible tells you you need to do. It's, it's amazing. It's uncanny. The stuff we hear today is the stuff people don't want to hear when they go through difficulty. But this is the very thing urged by our psalmist today. This next section is called Zion. It's the next letter in the Hebrew alphabet. Let's take a look. In an emergency, break glass, take out the Bible that was on display, and let's open it up. Psalm 19, 119, verses 49 to 56. Remember your promise to me. It is my only hope. Your promise revives me. It comforts me in all my troubles. The proud hold me in utter contempt, but I do not turn away from your instructions. I meditate on your age-old regulations. O Lord, they comfort me. I become furious with the wicked because they reject your instructions. Your decrees have been the theme of my songs wherever I have lived. I reflect at night on who you are, O Lord. Therefore, I obey your instructions. This is how I spend my life, obeying your commands. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. God, I pray that it continues to be a light unto our path. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first thing we're going to look at today, if you're taking notes, is how we instinctively dismiss the word of God as unhelpful and useless when we're suffering. Just hot air. The second thing we will see is how we instinctively, in, in, in suffering, we instinctively see these things as unfair, something that we don't deserve. And so therefore, it's like catnip. We listen to the world. It's like when we're suffering, we're having a hard time. We, why do we listen to the world and not listen to the word of God? Third, when it comes to the place where we feel as if we're abandoned by God, we always seem to conclude and complain that he just doesn't care. And the last thing we'll see is the wonders of the gospel and how God truly displayed how he has never abandoned us by sending Christ to come to bring life and life more abundant. Family, the thesis statement today is this. Remember, the thesis statement is me trying to wrap up and summarize the entire sermon in one sentence so I can answer my wife's question, what are you preaching on today? So, babes, though sin and the pattern of this world causes us to lose heart and faith during suffering and circumstances, it is the power of the Holy Spirit and the truth of Scripture that will cause us to see the reason and result of suffering and see the reason and result of our purpose in life, which is giving glory to Christ and Christ alone. So that's the amazing thing about suffering and trials and tribulations. It makes us remember why we're here. I think that we forget. We forget that. The purpose in life. We're not exactly sure why we're here, but we think we do. Trials and tribulations are that one thing that brings us right back to reality and reminds us as to why we're here. Okay, point number one. Hot air does not help. I mean, I remember telling an individual that I was counseling, I was begging him, please don't turn away from Christ. I remember telling this individual who was going through a difficult time that they need to go to the scriptures because it's your only hope. 
And I know that sometimes, especially in our culture today, we're such a syncretistic culture. We have a hard time when it comes to preachers that get behind the pulpit and say things like that. The Bible is your only hope. Well, I mean, I mean, I mean it's helpful, but it's not my only hope. The Bible is your only hope. And he said that it's, that, that he said to me, like, I, I hear what you're saying, Shane, but I'm just letting you know, it was not encouraging to hear that. Because Shane, the Bible, it doesn't help. So he said, the Bible doesn't help. And he used those words, it's just like it's a bunch of hot air. What happened here? What happened in this circumstance, in this situation? What happened here? When we are going through difficult times, let me ask you this question. When we're going through difficult times, when you're going through hardship, when you're faced with affliction, when these things, is it helpful for you to get through these trials and to, to get through it if you have hope? Yeah, if I'm hopeful, I can get through trials. Oh, yeah. Let me ask you this. If you were revived or you had renewed strength, the supernatural strength just came up in you, would that help you through your circumstances? Yeah, it would. Here's the other thing. As you're going through trials, tribulations, suffering, would it help you if you were comforted? Oh, man, yeah, it would, right? So it'd be helpful if we had hope. It would be helpful if we had renewed strength and it would be helpful if we were comforted. Hope, renewed strength, and comfort. The psalmist today shows us that we have all of this with the word of God. It is the Bible that will bring us hope, revival in our life, and comfort. It is your promises, Lord, your promises, again, that are my only hope. You want hope? You want renewed strength? You want comfort? It is found in the Bible and in the Bible alone. Here's the question. Where else are you going to go? I mean, think about that. Where else are you going to go? The first interesting thing that we see here, you realize he doesn't ask the Lord to be, to be delivered by God from his suffering. He didn't say, Lord, I'm going through trouble. Please get me out of this mess. Lord, this person is driving me nuts. I don't know how much longer I can take this person. Will you please remove this person from my life? Things are difficult here in Denver. I can't even go to Costco without a traffic jam. <laughs> Can you remove traffic from my life? He doesn't actually ask the Lord to deliver him from the circumstances. Look at what he said. He's in tribulation. He's going through a difficult time, hardship. And what does he say? Lord, remember your promise. He goes to the word and he asks the Lord, please remember, be faithful, keep your promise. He doesn't ask the Lord to stop the pain or press eject to 
eject him out of his circumstances, he asked the Lord to be faithful to his word, be faithful to your promise, because in the reality of all things in the world, there is only one thing that can truly give us hope today. And that's the word of God. It is. Well, there's, there's other things in life that, that make me feel better. Sure. Sure, I, I would agree. It makes you feel better. Right? Makes you feel better. Well, let's just say that you have, you know, um, let's just say that you're, let's use my example. Let's just say you have gallbladder inflammation. And I, I, I got to tell you, the gallbladder inflammation thing, that was extremely painful. I don't know if you guys ever had that. It was extremely painful. I like to say to women that it's more painful than childbearing, uh, but I, that doesn't go over well. I, I think it's more painful than giving birth to a child, you know, you know all that stuff. Yeah, da, da. It, it was painful. Now, let me ask you this. If I take like a bunch of Tylenol, well, I can't say Tylenol. Any, let's, let's do something. If I take like a bunch of hydrocodone, yeah, would it make it feel better? Sure. Or, or you wouldn't care? Okay, let's use a drug that will let, make, make, let's pretend you're using a drug that will make you care. Okay, so the pain goes away, it feels better, you don't care, you, you still care, but you know, all that stuff. Anyway, does the problem go away? No, it doesn't. There are things in life when we're going through suffering, it's like, it's like how, you know, pain drugs and stuff like that help us. They make the pain go away, but the problem is still there. The issues are still there. Sure, there's chemicals that we can take. There's chemicals we can smoke. That'll make a lot of this stuff feel better. But the problem doesn't go away. We, we got to stop lying to ourselves and thinking that there are things in this world that can help us through our suffering that's giving us hope. When there is no hope at all, when the only thing in the world that can give us hope truly is the truth and the life that comes to us from Scripture. It is not a dead letter. These are not dead words on the page. The Word of God is living and active. Where else are you going to go? So my answer to the man that I was counseling when the guy that says it doesn't help, it's just a bunch of hot air, I asked him, where else are you going to go? Where else? It is the Bible that will revive our souls. Maybe a better way to understand this is that it will renew our strength and our courage. It will give us the strength and courage that we need to make it through our trials and circumstances. And though through this we find the comfort that, and through this we find the comfort that we need during our time of difficulty. And this will only come from the scriptures and the psalmist knew it. That's why he said, this is my only hope. Your promises, Lord, remember your promises. It's my only hope. It's my only hope. Now again, we're not talking about a person who's just, you know, in the, in the bottom rung of the economic, you know, ladder. Like I said, Pretty much everybody agrees that the psalmist in 119, not everybody, most everybody, uh, believes that the psalmist is David, the king of Israel. 
And this guy had access to pretty much all the resources in the land flowing with milk and honey. Access to all the resources. And this is the man that says, you are my only hope. Word of God's my only hope. Renew our strength. It will give us strength, courage to make it through. We find comfort through the difficulty. Where else are you going to go? Spurgeon writes, the worldly person clutches his wallet and says, this is my comfort. The squanderer points to his high spirits and shouts, this is my comfort. The drunkard lifts his glass and sings, this is my comfort. However, the man whose hope comes from God feels the life-giving power of the word of the Lord and says, this is my comfort. That's what the word of God is. It's our comfort. And we hear the promises of God when we go through difficulty. We hear the promise like John 14, 18. John 14, 18. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Man, I don't need, I don't need to, to, for the Lord to eject me out of my circumstance. You know what I need? I need the Lord to remember his promise. If God remembers his promise, if God does what he says he's going to do, I am more than okay. Huh. Whatever circumstances we're going through, all we're saying, and we find comfort in knowing our hope to say that God, if God follows his promises, if God does what he says he's going to do, I am going to be okay. That's all I need him to do. All I want him to do is fulfill his promise and keep his promise. And his promises are yes and amen. Wow. In the world, there are people who have comfort but no affliction. <laughs> Some of you all know people like that. There are those who have affliction with no comfort. But for a Christian, we have comfort in our affliction. Wow. Afflicted today? Don't feel comfort today? Go to the Word of God. Go to the Word of God. And I know, you see, you see what I'm saying? Like, back in the day, I remember when we were in Bible college. I don't know where, where Steve went, but Steve would know this. We used to say stuff like, you're going through difficulties, we're going through trials and all that kind of stuff. You know, we would all say, like, yeah, you could say, hey, just read your Bible and pray. But we, we got to be real. So we want to help them with other things. We used to say that all the time. We, we got to be real. We just, we, you know, I want to be real. You know, I don't want to be like spiritual and all that stuff. And, and the thing is, it's funny. When we said stuff like that, we didn't really, I don't think we really realized what we were saying. It's almost like saying, yeah, read the Bible and pray. You know, that's, that's for like, you know, spiritual, you know, when you're feeling good kind of stuff. But when things are really difficult, you know, we got to get to the, the heart of the matter. It's interesting how we say some of the things and don't realize what it is that we're actually saying. But the reality is, the best thing you can tell an individual when they're going through trials and tribulations, when you're going through suffering and you have affliction, the best thing you can tell yourself, go to the word of God. 
You, you got to just do it. I know. I, I've been there. I've, I've gone through suffering. I've had a little bit of affliction in my life. I know where you are. I know what it is that, that we're struggling with. I get it. I get it. I get it. And I know that it's hard. But man, it's these moments and these times where you got to force yourself to do it. Man, you just got to just lay it down and just say, hey, look, here's the deal. What is the truth? The truth of the matter is, if I go someplace else, all it's going to be is artificial and all it's going to do is numb the pain. My problem will not go away. The thing that I need in my life right now is truth. Why? Because I will then know the truth and the truth will set me free. Woo, you guys are awake today. Thank you. Truth. That's what we need. Truth. No comfort, afflicted, go to the word of God. But again, some people will say, well, it doesn't help. There is no place to go. And this is the word that you hear all the time. It's just not fair. Ooh, man. We got to be careful as Christians when we say that. Just not fair. These things are just not fair. We got to be careful. I can't take it anymore. It's not fair. Point number two, it's not fair. Not only do we go to his word for hope, life, and comfort, we have got to remain faithful. Right? We know what that word faithful means. We got to remain faithful to the Lord and to his word. When we say we cannot take it anymore, we got to keep taking it. When we say we can't hold on anymore, you got to hold on. When we say we can't walk anymore, we got to take another step. Ephesians 6.13, Ephesians 6.13, Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. It doesn't say crack. It doesn't say walk away. You've done everything you could. You may as well just walk away. You know, it's like, you know, the world gives us that, that ideology, right? You know, hey, you've done everything that you could. You may as well just curse God and die. Remember Job's wife? Hmm. May as well just give up. And the world, the enemy, the flesh will indeed come against us. They will not help. They will ridicule us in this. They will make fun of us in this. They will laugh at us, praying to the Lord, saying that there is no God. See, look at what you're going through. Look at the suffering. Look at all the trials and tribulations and everything that you're going through. Look at this. Look at your circumstance. Look at your situation. See, there's no God. There's no God in this world. Why do you keep on praying to your imaginary sky daddy? Right? Isn't that what they say? They will laugh at us for putting our hope in the Bible. Why are you doing that? Why are you putting your hope in the, in the Bible? It's a fictitious book that's full of myths and legends and tall tales. And the people that are saying this stuff, these people are going to be popular. They're going to be influential. They will be on the big screen. 
They'll be on the small screen. Social media, conferences, TED Talks, government official, the successful, the powerful, and even the violent. And they will tell you that it's all for nothing. It's a waste of time. It's adolescent. You need to grow up. It's delusional. And if it's true, and this is one thing you get, one thing you get, very clear. Let's just say all of this stuff is true. If it's true, it's not fair. I man, I just don't think God exists. But if you're going through all of this stuff and God does exist, man, that's messed up. That's not fair. It's not right. It's not fair. No way, Jose. Do yourself a favor and just walk away. And it's funny. It's funny when we're going through trials, difficulties, times, and, and there's weakness and all that stuff. It's like it's like catnip. We listen to the world. We listen to what these people have to say. We listen, follow. Just do yourself a favor. You know, life is short. You know, try to enjoy as much as you can. And this, this is just, it's just all this stuff is just nonsense. So we end up turning away from Christ. And in the face of all this, we have to remain faithful. And one of the things that we've got to see We've got to recognize, we've got to understand that the psalmist does very well here. He expresses his true feelings and passions. In verse 53, he, he, the Hebrew word zalafa, it seizes him. Hot and furious anger has taken hold of him for those who speak against the word of God. And this is the thing that I'm thinking that we've got to understand and we've got to recognize, especially when we're going through trials, difficulties, or we're facing affliction. When the world tells us these things that are contrary to God, we don't go, oh, thank you for your help. Oh, thank you for the good cheer. Oh, thank you for sharing with me the insight and allowing the world to do this and seeing as if the world cares for us. They are speaking against God. We stand and say, how dare you say that to me? He was furious. The world come against, the world's trying to get you to turn away from God. He was furious. How dare you tell me to turn away from God? He is the living God, creator of heaven and earth, the living God, the Alpha and the Omega the king of kings, the lord of lords, and, and all these difficulties that I'm doing, you're trying to tell me to turn away from that? Are you out of your mind? How could you do that? Would you do something like that? Why, why is it that that's not our response? We listen to the world and we listen to, to what it is that they have to say instead of being faithful to our God and looking at that as being, that is absolutely reprehensible that you would even think about doing something like that. Why would you tell me to walk away from God? This is not okay. We don't entertain anything that's coming against the Lord. It's bad enough that it should give rise to extreme indignation. We don't get, you know, this is the thing. We, you know, we, we're not supposed to get angry at people. 
you know, we don't get angry at our neighbor because their dog came and messed in our yard. But we do. Wait, we, you know, we are, as Christians, we're not supposed to get angry at the TV when some politician's up there saying stuff. We don't get angry when somebody steals the last open parking spot at the mall. We are not supposed to get angry in traffic. But we don't get angry when people speak against the word of God. We get angry when we're not supposed to, and we don't get angry when we're supposed to. Oh, man. Do you see this? Especially when there's trials and suffering and all that stuff, we want to embrace the world and what the world tells us. Those that speak against the word of God starts to instill doubt. Well, you're believing the Bible, but let me tell you about contradictions in the Bible and then you tell me about that stuff. And people that are going through suffering and going through tribulation and all this stuff, and when I talk with them on the phone, that's the one thing that's starting to happen is they're starting to lose confidence in the Bible. Well, Shane, there's, there's contradictions here and this doesn't line up. And did you know that it was written by man and blah, blah, blah and all this stuff? And it's just their, their confidence in Scripture just keeps going down and down. And I keep saying, and finally, when we're talking, I, I ask them, where, where are you getting this stuff from? And they start telling me where they get this stuff from and they get it from the world. And those who are against God, those who have suppressed the truth, as it says in Romans 1, these are the people that God says that their minds have become darkened, they're confused, and their hearts are hardened. Do you think it's a good idea to listen to somebody whose mind is darkened, who's confused, and has a hard heart? Hello? Funny that that's what we do. We remain faithful by not turning away from the word of God and recognizing that those who try to lead us away from God and his word are doing something that deserves not just anger, but hot indignation. Again, we don't take our cues from the world. In suffering, we must not, we must not turn away from God. We must turn to his word, which is our only hope which is our life, which is our comfort. And we don't embrace anything that would cause us to walk away from the faith. You reject it. As a Christian, we don't walk away from God. We don't lose confidence in God. It doesn't matter what anybody says. It doesn't matter. We do not walk away from God. If, if that comes into your mind like, oh, well, maybe this is just not right. This is just not... No! You stop and you say, God is faithful. I am not turning away from God. His word is my only hope. There is no place I can go. We passionately reject it in anger and we reject anything that will lead us to say that it's not fair. But remember that when we say things are not fair, you do know what we're actually asserting, right? When we say it's not fair, God, this is just absolutely not fair, we are asserting that there is something unjust happening, right? That's what we're saying. Something unjust is happening to me. Think about it. Do you really want God to give us what we truly deserve? 
Oh, hopefully this eliminates the word not fair from your vocabulary for the rest of your life. As Christians, we don't say it's not fair. As Christians, we plead for God's mercy. Point number three, reject everything that will lead us to believe that God does not care. And that's, that's the big thing right there, isn't it? In the end, right before the individual walks away, they believe in their heart that God has left them, God has forsaken them. Left them, forsaken them. God doesn't care. So therefore, I'm done. But see, the psalmist gives us something really amazing here. Did you guys know that Christianity is a singing religion? Wow. There's a reason why we sing here in the church. It's a singing religion. And even more so when it comes to suffering. When we're having a difficult time, when there's affliction, there's issues, trials, tribulation, difficulty in our lives, Christians, we sing to the Lord. Come on. Some of you got to be like, well, Shane, I can't sing. Then make a joyful noise to the Lord. Acts 16, 25, Acts 16, 25. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. Wow. In prison. Praying and singing hymns while they're in chains. And one of the ways to encourage an individual, you know what we do to encourage an individual? Colossians chapter 3.16. Colossians 3.16. Let the message about Christ in all its riches, richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel, encourage each other with all wisdom uh, all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. It's clear that the word of God is a true source of joy and wonder that motivates a believer to sing. Motivates a believer to sing. Now, come on. This is what, uh, the challenge that I give to people all the time. If you actually believe, if you believe that what God says is really true. Wouldn't that be awesome? Wow. Wouldn't that be awesome? If we actually believed it, why wouldn't we sing? Hey, things don't look good right now. But I'm going to tell you this right now. God is going to be glorified. In the end, it may not happen today. It may not happen tomorrow. It may not happen 20 years from now. All I know is that in the end, it's going to be all good. Then it doesn't matter what we're faced with today, then does it? You know, it's just, it's just like the most, it's just like the thing that I've experienced in my life a lot of times when we just get to the place where we just rest and we just say, you know what? I'm just going to believe what God has to say. And it's amazing. Just, this is just a, a, a little thing that I do. It's just amazing how you can feel that weight fall off your shoulders. When we actually say, you know what? I'm going to believe this and I'm going to stand on this. I'm just going to rest in it. 
okay. Man, it's amazing. And you know what happens after that moment comes? I want to sing. I want to rejoice. I want to just glorify God in everything that we do. Come on, it's the thing, right? We see it. It's not just in our lives. We see it in the movies, right? Somebody gets the girl, and the next scene is them, what, walking down the street singing. I got the job that I was wanting to get. What does he do in the next scene? They singing. Everything is going really good in my life, and I'm walking down the street, and I'm saying, get out of my dreams. Get into my car. You guys don't know that one? <laughs> Come on. We, we get happy. Everything is good. And, and things happen, and God does something, see something amazing, and God does something amazing in our lives, and we as Christians, we cry out, then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. Man, it's clear that the Word of God is a true source of joy and wonder, that it motivates a believer to sing. Here's the thing, people will say, well, but Shane, come on, man, I, I, I just can't sing. That's okay. That's okay. Have you guys watched American Idol? I mean, come on. Let me tell you this, though. As a Christian, bad singing is better than complaining. And that's what happens this is the last thing. This is the last, right before the falling off, the last thing is complaining. When we go through difficulty, instead of singing, we resort to complaining. And in the wilderness, remember, complaining of the people and the constant judgment God inflicted upon them for this awful, awful thing. We don't realize that. We don't realize. That's why it's like, you know, I, I, you, when you really understand and you really get the concept and the understanding of complaining, you recognize and realize just how awful that thing is, how, how bad complaining is. You know, if, if Janine, if Janine wants to get me, like, you know, you know, wives and husbands, like, you know, you know what the buttons to push. You know, if you want to, if you want to rile your husband up and you want to hurt my feelings and get me all angsty, all she's got to do is accuse me of complaining. Why are you you're complaining all the time? Oh, that's the button. Ah, I'm not complaining. I'm just, uh, I'm just voicing my, uh, uh, my opinion. Just say complaining. And that's just because the idea of complaining, it's a horrible, awful, awful thing. All the complaining that they did and all the complaining that we do, do you realize that what, why complaining is such a bad thing? All the complaining, all the, 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 the saying, talking about our problems and, and just venting and all this stuff when it comes to this, do you realize that complaining is not the problem? Complaining is actually a symptom. Ooh, symptom of what? What's the real problem? What it shows, the reason why we're complaining is it shows that we don't believe and we don't trust God. That's what it shows. 
That's why it's so bad. And after all God has provided and after all God has given, to complain is to believe that he's a liar and he does not care. That's why we complain. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 19. Hebrews 3, 19. If we think that this isn't going to be punished, oh, you better believe it's different. There's going to be discipline. So we see that because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter the rest. They were not believing. Because of their unbelief, they were complaining, they were murmuring, they were doing all that stuff that we're not supposed to be doing. The reason for the unbelief is the belief that God is not good. Okay, here it is. All right, this is the price of admission right here. Do you realize that in the Bible, it never accuses us of unbelief that God exists? Anytime the Bible talks about unbelief, he's not talking about, oh, the people didn't believe that God exists. See, I think a lot of times in our culture today, we think that when there's unbelief, you don't believe, it it has to do with God's existence. Oh, unbelief, it has to do with God doesn't exist. Uh-uh. In the Bible, the thing that it acknowledges is not the belief that God doesn't exist. It's addressing the belief that God isn't good. Oh, you get, if you guys get this, this, will, this is going to help. It's the belief that God isn't good. When you really think about it, what it is that we're struggling in with life, is we think God doesn't have our best interest in mind. That's the reason why we turn from the Bible. That's the reason why we listen to the world. That's the reason why we turn away from God. And that's the reason why we complain instead of singing when we're going through difficulty. We just don't believe that God really has our best interest in mind. We don't think that God really is good. And that's the reason why there is such a harsh discipline. That is a reason why there's harsh actions that God gives when we do this. Because what a horrible, awful thing we're communicating to God when we complain. He's done all of these things, these wonderful things, these amazing things. And you don't believe? And, and you're complaining about everything that I've done? You're complaining about the sacrifices that I've made, namely my son? All the things that I have done, all the things that I've created, all the things, the, the things that, the mercy that I've shown, the grace that I have given? And you're going to stand there and say, and, and complain about what I'm doing? Complain that, you know, I'm not doing the thing that's right? Who in the world do you think I am? What are you saying about me? You know? I mean, even as as a father, that would absolutely hurt my feelings and be absolutely horrible if I'm trying to explain to my kids, hey, I'll be there. No, no, I know you're not going to be there. You're going to just do whatever it is that you want. Well, what do you mean I'm just going to do whatever I want? I said I'm going to be there. No, no, you know, I understand that you say that, but, you know, you say things all the time. And they don't believe you. What are they saying to you? Like, you must think I'm an awful person. That's what our complaining does. It's the belief that he is not good. Ah, remember the fall? Did God really say? 
I, no, 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 no. He just wants to keep you guys from being who you all, all that you can be. He's just trying to keep that from happening. Knowledge of good and evil. It's the motivation for all our sins. We don't believe that he has our best interest in mind. That's why we're complaining. We complain because the person is not doing what they can and supposed to be doing. So God can and he doesn't. I know God can fix my problems right now and he doesn't. So that must mean he doesn't care. He doesn't care. And the murmuring and complaining continues. And when suffering comes, we reject the Bible, we turn away from Christ, and when pressured, we accuse God of not caring. The very things we are encouraged to do by the psalmist is to turn to his word, to be faithful, and to rejoice and sing. So we're encouraged to do. But it's funny, huh? How when we're going through difficulties and we're going through trials, tribulations, suffering, and affliction, That's the last thing we want to do. Last thing we want to do. I remember talking to an individual and he was just like, you know, you, Shane, you always talk about praying, like going through difficulties. I got to pray. I got to pray. I got to pray. And he just says, you know what? I am not going to waste another minute of my life in prayer. That's how angry he was. That's how angry he was. God doesn't care. And you know what? I know God knows everything. This is what he's saying to me. I know God knows everything. I know God hears my prayer. He just doesn't care. So why should I waste time praying if all I'm going to do is say stuff to God and he's just not going to care? So he turns away from God. Here's the reality I know it may not feel like it. It may not seem like it. It just doesn't seem to make any sense. But the reality is this, because it is in the word of God, the word of God from a God who does not lie, whose promises are yes and amen. He told us, Christ told us, he will never leave us nor forsake us. It's not about our circumstance. It's about the truth. Well, then why is God leaving us in this? Because maybe God wants your roots to grow a little deeper. Maybe he wants us to grow a little more. Maybe he wants us to develop perseverance. And the Bible says that perseverance must finish its work so that you can be mature, complete, and not lacking in anything. Wouldn't that be an awesome thing? The reality <laughs> is that we grow. And it's training that the Lord wants for those whom he loves. And if God didn't love you in the covenantal way, not in the creation way, the covenantal way. He would just eject you from the situation. So your roots don't grow. And when the wind comes, you just blow away like everybody else. We need to be refined. 
Wouldn't that be awesome for us to be refined? Problem is, is we're refined by fire. We're purified in the furnace and we're sharpened by the friction of affliction. But it is our own ignorance, self-centeredness, deception, and rebellion, motivated by the flesh, that causes us to see that our suffering as a Christian is something strange. Something strange is happening to us. And we reject his training and discipline, which is what God does to those he loves. In our sin, confuse our purpose in life. We confuse our reason for living and our understanding of God's will and causes us to call evil good and good evil. Family, sin again. God will discipline, complaining, and unbelief. He did it to the Israelites. You better believe he will do it to us as well. Our complaining in the light of the wonderful promises of God shows us just how far we have fallen. How far have we fallen? You may ask, Shane, how far have we fallen? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is no one righteous, no, not one. There is no one on earth who always does good and never sins. The wages of sin is death. And if you've broken one of the smallest of the commandments, you are as guilty as someone who has broken all of it. But is there salvation for us? Absolutely. Shane, I've I've gone through suffering and I've gone through that and I turned away from God. Is there forgiveness for you? Absolutely. Absolutely, there's forgiveness for us today. The reason why is because he has never left us, nor did he forsake us. And you know how he proved that he didn't? He proved it to us when he sent Jesus into the world to seek and save that which was lost. Family, Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures and he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. He became sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The promise that brings hope, that brings hope, that brings comfort, that renews our strength, that promise continues. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Word of God is so precious. Renews our strength. It's our only hope. It gives us comfort. All of this was written so that you would believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that you will have life in his name. Suffering is going to happen, right? It's inevitable. It's the heritage of all people. But it is an honor to suffer for Christ as we share in his suffering. We rejoice that we can have the privilege of suffering for his name. And and know, never forget this, and know that even when we are not faithful to him, he is always faithful and his mercies are new every morning. Let's pray. Thank you for listening and may the Lord bless you and keep you. For more information about Central Baptist Church, go to www.cbcaurora.com.